Coming to you from last video store in the universe, it's Binge Movies 148. I'm Jason. This is the show that ranks and eliminates movies to determine which ones are most worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. On this episode, The Vault. Season 7.1 is done. This is the finale for that season. Season 7.2 is already in the works as we speak. And uh, another entry into the vault has been selected by you, the people. You, the binge lords of binge movies who follow us on Twitter at binge movies. We put the poll up. It came down to two final films. If you haven't listened to last movie, Standing Spring Blast, I recommend you do so. Uh, we're going to spoil that episode. Uh, those last movie scenes are always some very fun. And we get a lot of... Um, a lot of engagement around it, and it's uh, always a really exciting time. It's impossible to do without our guest. Uh, the most recent episode, most recent last movie standing, Spring Blast. We had two incredible guests. We had a returning champion, the Lady One, and we had a returning competitor, challenger, in Robert Yanez Jr. Um, both of them did an excellent job, I thought, of arguing for their film. I, you know, I think that the thing for Robert is he's in a very tough position. When it came down to that debate, because the strongest film on his list was Reservoir Dogs, but that's not arguably that's not Tarantino's strongest film, and so um, he did. You know, he he can't argue against Tarantino, but it's not it's not really his strongest film, and it doesn't didn't have the same strength in comparison to say a Lord of the Rings, even though to Robert's point. Maybe the Lord of the Rings sequels are stronger than Fellowship. So it's going to be interesting to see, and Robert uh, tweeted this out a few days ago, that um, what's going to be interesting is can we get, we being the competitors in, in throughout the rest of this year, uh, can you get the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy into the vault? Is it going to be the first uh, trilogy added to the vault? You know, Is that even a, a thing that's possible? We're kind of in uncharted waters here, unprecedented territory. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And it's going to be interesting to see who picks what and who picks, you know, what films and what films make it and what films don't make it as we progress. Season 7.2, we're going to have the two towers. Lord of the Rings, two towers is going to be there. So as it stands now, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because, you know, Tarantino, if you haven't been following along, was eliminated from cinematic history. Uh, not all of his work, but Reservoir Dogs fell short just by a thin margin with a 48% versus a 52% um, uh, vote out of uh, over 150-some votes. It happened on Twitter. Um, it, you know, it was, honestly, Reservoir Dogs took a strong early lead. Then Fellowship, they traded back and forth over the three or four days of the poll was available. And even, even down in the last, I would say, eight hours or so, it was kind of touch or go. And it looked like maybe Reservoir was going to do a bit of a late-stage run and just squeak out a victory over Fellowship. It didn't happen. The Lady Wan clinches it yet again to take her record to 6-0. and She has four entries out of the total 13 we have so far in the vault. Four of them belong to the Lady Wan. 
So in case you need a reminder of what is presently in the vault, uh, I'll give it to you right now. It is presently in the vault. The first entry of all entries is the original Halloween. Then we have Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Aladdin, Jurassic Park, uh, Parasite, Toy Story, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Men in Black, Saving Private Ryan, Ghostbusters, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original 1984 version, of course, Night of the Living Dead, the George Romero classic, and now The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. I open it up to our clerks, um, our managers, our assistant managers, and our elite patrons over at patreon.com slash binge movies to submit their thoughts. I have yet to listen to the memo that we got, uh, but I'm going to do so now live on the air and give you my response. This message comes from Pete, I believe, who's one of our prestigious elite patrons and who is the main banana over at middle class film class. So uh, let's listen to what Pete has to say about, I don't know what I offered it up. I said, can you talk about last movie standing? Can you talk about the season? And can you talk about the hashtag binge movies challenge? Well, we are asking our listeners to watch every single film that we are watching for the ranking episodes throughout the season. So I think we're 26 films down. I think we have 25 films next for season 7.2. Um, and that's, it's honestly, it's a very exciting times, uh, around here and around the shop. So, uh, let's go over to Pete and see what he had to say about, uh, whatever the hell it is he was talking about. I really don't know. I haven't listened to it. Hey, Jason, it's Pete. Uh, I think last movie standing is top tier. Love it. Um, don't change anything about it. The energy is great. The competitors are great. I like the think on your feet format. Um, as far as the binge movies challenge, I also think that's, um, just fine how it is and it's not supposed to be something that everybody can do watch all those movies in a year and I like running through the good and the bad it forces me to expose myself to series that I've never seen before in its in their entirety um, and 7.1 so far has been pretty good the only thing I'd say that is uh, funky about last movie standing and is that if we're voting on who did a better job in the performance, then that needs to be limited to people who did listen to the episode. Um, film Twitter at large becomes fandom versus fandom in a case like Tarantino versus uh, Lord of the Rings. So uh, take that for what it's worth, but love the show. Wouldn't change a thing. Thanks, buddy. I, you know, I thought about that. I, I wrestle with that all the time um, because to your point um the purpose of last movie standing is that it should be who has the strongest argument and and really what it should be is you know it's like a boxing match in essence we should be, kind of be scoring who wins each round and whoever wins the total number of rounds uh should be the victor and that's where the votes should go the issue there is if i make the the vote every single time exclusive to say patrons who i know are listening to every episode because why else would they be giving monthly money? Um, then it kind of curbs some of the engagement and conversation that results in last movie standing. And um, 
gets fresh eyeballs on that. And there are people who see kind of the argument unfolding online and then go and listen to that episode. Um, but yes, there is a vast majority, I think, of people like going on film, Twitter at large, use your term, who then uh, aren't listening to the episode. And it just comes down to whatever somebody's more of a fan of. So uh, I, what I like to do is I, I like for it to be equitable, right? I'd like it for it to be equitable. But I also would like the entire purpose of this show, to some extent, is to create conversation. We're having conversations here. But one of my favorite things, and I think one of the best things that comes out of the binge movies challenge in particular, is you get a lot of people who are participating in the show, binge movies challenge, or last movie standing, to have conversations with each other and to engage with each other. There's a lot of people over the last four years who did not engage with each other, didn't know each other, or who were maybe from different circles of film Twitter or film podcast Twitter, or just Twitter at large, Twitter in general, who never would have met if it weren't for this show. And that's kind of always been the goal. Even if you go back into the stock room and you listen to old, old episodes, I think there's times on there where I talk about like, that is the purpose. Kind of like, you know, my, my intention behind the show is I really want to create conversation and create dialogue about movies and then create a conversation that's kind of different than the traditional discourse about movies. And um, there have been people who've gotten in on a grassroots level, uh, people like Pete and others who are making that happen and are making that possible through their support and through their engagement and making that kind of dream come, come true a little bit. And so it becomes hard, it becomes difficult to, if I... Um, make that conversation exclusionary in some way, how do we then, uh, does that kill the conversation? Does that kill the discourse? Does that kill uh, the debate, so to speak? So that's what I really wrestle with. I really wrestle with how effective I think Last Movie Standing can be, um, especially when you have great guests like the Lady Juan and Robert uh, and great competitors who are very good at articulating themselves and generating thoughts and continuing that conversation online. Even someone like D.W. Lundberg, you know, people who are very good at, um, you know, drumming up dialogue. And if, if, if that dialogue just goes to our wonderful patrons, and I'm not trying to diminish that, um, then it keeps that conversation locked in only on the behind a paywall, basically. and. Um, so it's a tricky balance. I don't know the answer for it, to be honest with you. It is something I wrestle with because I really want um, as broad of an audience as possible to engage in the sort of film conversation that derives out of this show. Uh, and I think Last Movie Standing is a great vehicle for that. At the same time, it is supposed to be a bit of a competition and it is supposed to be deriving a film canon of a sort. So that it's, it's, it's the exclusivity versus inclusivity impulses that are at odds with each other. And I, so I feel that Pete, I really do. Um, yeah, I, I have gotten some pushback from people to Pete's point about like, well, this is a lot of movies. It's called a challenge. 
It's called a challenge where I don't want to watch these movies. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to participate. I am not. We have a lot of listeners who don't follow us on social media. We have a lot of listeners who do not subscribe on Patreon. We have a lot of patrons who don't really engage on Patreon or conversations that take place over there. But they are supportive in, to the degree that they feel comfortable. We have a lot of listeners who just listen. They just listen. I never hear from them. I never get an email or a voice memo or, or a tweet or a DM or an Instagram follow or anything from anybody. They just listen. And that's okay. They never leave a review. They, you know, that's okay. That's wonderful. I want everybody to feel comfortable at a, any degree of participation that, that they want to be a part of. I don't want anybody to feel left out. All are welcome. But you can participate to the level of intimacy and intensity that you want. I think for the people who do participate in the Binge Movies Challenge, which is we have more people this year than we did last year, it's going to be interesting to see if more people finish this year versus last year or uh, less people do or if it's the same usual suspects. We'll see. Um, But, yeah, it is a challenge. It is, hey, we're putting it out there. Um, It's a lot of fucking movies. Is a lot of movies, and uh, but I, here's what I think, and and this is what I've been told by folks like Pete, not Pete in particular, but p- people who are participating in the binge movies challenge. And I guess he did say it there in his memo. Um, what I have found is that it enhances people's enjoyment of the show, and it also uh, just enhances their understanding of what this show is trying to do. Which is the entire purpose, right? I don't want to just create something to create it. I like to create things that um, kind of stack upon each other, that build upon each other, that feed upon each other, that, that everything is in service of something. And hopefully, ultimately, it's in service to the audience. It's to the benefit of the audience. I'm always thinking in terms of added value in, in some way. And at the same time, with a very low threshold for uh, pressure to participate. I hate uh, being having that feeling that sometimes podcasts can generate or content creators of uh, like FOMO, like artificial FOMO, and really sort of dividing their audience and like, ah, oh, the people who really get it. And then there's all the filthy casuals. I really don't like that sort of stuff. Uh, my hope is to produce a show and a bunch of supplemental stuff be it the stuff we do on Patreon, be it bonus features that we do here in the main feed, uh, be it things like the Binge Movies Challenge, be it whatever you see coming out of the show. It's my hope that it's all uh, a fun, interesting on-ramp to um, film enjoyment, film engagement, and thinking about film and meeting other people who love movies as much as, as we all do. That's my, that's the goal behind it. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's hard for me to sum up a season because by the time you're listening to the end of the season, I'm already working on the next season. (laughs) Um, and sometimes that's back to back, right? Like I'm recording this and I'm already recording episodes for the next season. So there's a lot of overlap. So my brain gets scattered because you know, uh, I'm, I'm doing stuff for season 7.2 while I'm still doing things for 7.1 just to keep the momentum going 
to be able to put the show out, I think, at the highest level that I can. Um, we do, you know, there is sometimes pushback about like, well, why don't you just do weekly episodes? Why the seasons, all that sort of stuff? Because I think people who are participating in the Binge Movies Challenge can attest to this. Um, it's, it's quite a handful of, to, wa- to watch 25 films that you may not inherently be interested in straight off the rip, and, but to really give them their due justice to, like, to think about it and to think about it critically to some extent and to put some effort into it. it takes time. And then to be able to coordinate with schedules to find the right guest for the right episode and give them the, uh, the proper amount of time. It's a very demanding thing to say to a guest, hey, watch five, these five movies and then be prepared to rip them apart analy- analytically uh, for hours on end. <laughs> it's a very rigorous, vigorous thing that I'm asking of people. So I want to give the guest enough time to gestate and to watch things give myself enough time so that we can deliver the best episodes for our audience. And I've gotten a lot of um, praise recently for the show. And I can't tell you how much that means because anyone that does this, I know a lot of people who listen to this show have their own podcast as well. So I think you can attest to this. Um, Even if you are doing it and you know, in your heart of hearts, man, I'm never going to get famous doing this. I'm not doing it to, to become a millionaire or, you know, to get a big old sponsorship deal or this, that, whatever, uh, to be bought by Spotify. You know, I'm not going to have millions of downloads. Um, you're still, most of us are doing it with passion and are doing it to the best of whatever our abilities are and are constantly trying to push ourselves to be better and do better. And it's just a wonderful thing to receive well thought out, constructive, praise to point out when people point out something very specific about, Hey, I really appreciate how it's obvious you do this or you take the time to do that. Or you, I like the show because of this, or I love this episode because of that, or even a specific quote or something you found interesting or funny or, uh, uh, you know, just praiseworthy. It is, it, that is, the, in a sense, the reward. The metrics aren't a reward, you know. I, I'll give you an example. This is a peek behind the curtain. So we did the Police Academy uh, episode with Matt F. Bazzler. Matt F. Bazzler has new music out there, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, he's on Spotify, probably Bandcamp. Just follow him on social media. It's Matt F. Bazzler across the board. He's also on the Real Spoilers Patreon a lot, uh, so go support those guys. Um, you know, so I very intentionally went into it with the attitude of, I don't want to make fun of this series inherently because I hadn't seen most of them in like 30 plus years. So I know them by, uh, they have a bad reputation, but I don't want to just go in and just be like, you know, I'm going to dunk on these movies for, for a couple hours. It wasn't my goal. My goal was to give like serious thought and serious appraisal to how could something so ubiquitous and so popular have no lasting legacy at all? Like none, zero. I think we've come to the conclusion as to why. Um, and yes, there was dunking that happened, but whatever. 
But I really wanted to do it. I wanted to do that for years and years and years. So I was finally able to do it. Season premiere, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, tanked. 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 In the United States. Tanked. Literally knocked us off the charts. Knocked us out of the top 200 TV and film podcast. And previously, towards the end of the last year, you know, we were in the top 100, I think, or somewhere around there, 120, 110, somewhere in that range, maybe. Hell of an achievement. And then put us immediately at the top of the film podcast charts in several European countries where I don't think we've ever even charted. And the numbers went through the roof. Everywhere but America. <laughs> Everywhere but America and Great Britain. We did great in Canada. We did great in, again, several continental European nations. And I, to be honest with you, I don't typically look at numbers. I look at numbers kind of like at the beginning of the season. And then I look at the end. And what I really try to do is like every six months check in. And I look at the overall trends. Year to year, six months, 12 months, 24 months, that kind of stuff. Because that's really, to me, what ultimately matters, right? Are we trending in the right direction or not? Um, and the, re the rest of the time, I don't, I've gotten, I just don't bother myself with it. Because those numbers are, uh, 1.5 million people could listen to an episode. And I'm going to be like, yeah, but why wasn't it 1.7? So it's just poison. I don't even think about it. I just try to have the best show that I can. And what the numbers are, they are. And again, there's an example of knocked us out of, competition in the United States put us at the tippity top of the charts in four different European countries. Who the hell knows, right? Obviously there's a lasting legacy somewhere in the world for police Academy. It just isn't here um, in the United States. But that is, that's, that's worth it to me because yeah, we probably gained a whole bunch of new listeners. And if you're listening from those countries, thank you very much. If police Academy brought you in, I hope you're still listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. Do all the great stuff that we ask you to do. Leave us a five-star review. And you, wherever country you are, an Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, we appreciate you. Um, but what it really does, it enables a whole new group of people to be a part of the conversation. That's it. You know, it enables a whole new group of people who aren't me, who aren't from my culture, who don't think like me, don't, you know, have dissimilar lives from me in a lot of ways or from a lot of our core audience. And it opens up that conversation to a heck of a lot more people. So that is partially why we cover the entire range and spectrum of film. One, and I'll, I'll kind of close on this, is because I believe the entire spectrum of film is worthy of watching and kind of interrogating. You know, um, Robert, uh, two things. One, I was surprised that nobody picked up on the fact that Robert eliminated a movie he's never seen. Only the Lady Juan seemed to have given that a reaction. And to me, that would almost be a detriment of like, you're eliminating sudden death, but you've never seen it. Right now on the face of it, we could probably say Reservoir Dogs is better than sudden death. But how do you know if you haven't seen it? Are you doing all the homework? And that's not any shade on Robert. I just thought that we'd get more listener feedback about that. But maybe that one slipped through. There's no shade on him at all whatsoever. Because uh, he admitted, he's like, nope, I haven't seen it. Uh, you know, true story. Haven't seen it. But he was completely upfront about it. Didn't try to pass it off as if he had. Um, 
Lady Wong caught that, though. And I thought she was going to go in on that in her argument, but she didn't. Uh, she kept on topic. Um, the second thing is, this is where I would slightly object to something Robert said. He goes, a knockoff, basically a knockoff is never going to be worthy of the vault. Who's to say that? Because most movies are a knockoff of something. <laughs> it's true. A lot of the best movies in the world are knockoffs of something. They don't, we just don't refer to them as knockoffs. We refer to them as homages. Oh, you know, if, you know filmmakers participate in homage. But ripoff artists uh, rip off. And to my point on the very episode, um, the, ver the entire ending of Reservoir Dogs is a knockoff of City on Fire or City of Fire, one of the two. A, a film from about seven years previous, an Asian film. And in the Tarantino episode, we thoroughly covered the fact that Tarantino is a knockoff artist. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility that a knockoff movie could make it into the vault. Reservoir Dogs itself is a knockoff movie. And also, I think every type of genre and subgenre should probably be represented if you're trying to create a comprehensive canon for film history. Then I think that every single um, uh, every single genre and subgenre of film should at least be interrogated, reviewed for possible inclusion. I think genre movies, B movies. I think that there should be a shot on shittio movie in the vault. It's, it ought to be the best shot on shittio movie, whatever that is. But I think there's a place for it in the vault. I think there's a place for exploitation films in the vault because that's part of cinema. We're not just saying, okay, the, the creme de la creme of the mainstream it ought to be the creme, of, creme de la creme of film history. And I think it's shaping up thanks to you, pretty nicely. And thanks to the Lady Juan, who is six victories deep, let me just say these two words, acknowledge her. Uh, six victories deep, four entries, because last year we did a gauntlet, so she's got four entries in the vault that she won handedly. Uh, and, you know, I, I think she's made a lot of really great arguments for why a Men in Black, even though, yeah, it's a mainstream pop culture sort of film, deserves inclusion. I think that a lot of our, you know, the um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, which I believe was uh, Megan Kearns, um, you know, she made a great argument for that. Claire made a great argument for one of the sequels, you know, for, I think for, I think, um, uh, Dream Warriors, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, I think we've had so many great guests who've made so many compelling arguments. Um, and I really, really enjoy the fact that we are together weighing out what makes, what, what makes movies great and what makes a great movie, which is the entire point. It's the entire point. It's the entire point. Jokes, sarcasm, silliness, everything aside, that's the point of what we're doing. 
So um, I love to hear from more of you. I love to hear from more of you on Patreon. I love to hear from more of you on Twitter. I love for more of you to participate. You have until basically the end of the year for the Binge Movies Challenge. If you haven't started, you're 25, 26, maybe, <laughs> movies behind. Maybe 27, actually. Got to think about that. How many freaking police academies were there? You're, you're almost 30 films behind, okay? And we're, we're getting ready to do another 25 films. And this, uh, you know, for those of you that have been with us for a while now, you know what's right around the corner. What's right around the corner is VHS Summer. And this is VHS Summer 3, baby. So I'm incredibly excited about it. We're going to be heading into the next season of Binge Movies. It'll be here before you know it. Stay tuned. We're still going to have uh, bonus instant reactions and things like that. They're going to come out in between the, these two seasons. So keep listening. Stay subscribed. We're not going away. We're not going anywhere. Season 7.2 is already in the works. VHS Summer 3 is on the way. And it's going to cap off with our very next last movie standing, which is, of course, Beach Brawl. A uh, listener favorite. And speaking of listener favorites, may I say to you that a long dormant previous series within this series of ranking episodes, a fan favorite is returning in season 7.2. I'm just going to tell you what it is. That's correct. You are correct. You've guessed it. Forgotten films of the 1980s returns. In season 7.2, by popular demand. Please stop messaging me. It's back. Thank you. I appreciate you. Until next time, binge on. <laughs>